Now, in Legal Talk today, we welcome back Nicolene Skumanlo. She's been on several times before, a managing director of Skuman Law Incorporated. And I've asked her back because her firm was involved in a recent case in the Western Cape High Court, which has implications for the metered taxi industry, in particular for e-hailing services in Cape Town. Nicolene, welcome back. It's great to have you with us again. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great pleasure. Now, this case relates to the former moratorium that the city of Cape Town imposed back in February 2021, when it said at the time, we're not going to be accepting any new applications for metered taxi licenses, including the traditional sedan taxis and the e-hailing services like Bolt and Uber. And um, I know the city has already actually rescinded that moratorium in the last couple of weeks. So it's a little bit of a strange scenario. We're talking about a case which in some ways didn't even have to come to a conclusion. But let's talk a little bit more about the background here. Nicolene, um, as I said, the moratorium was put in place in February 2021. Do you want to tell us a little bit more of the background of why it was put into place? Thank you so much. The moratorium um, was put into place, as you've you've rightly noted, in, in 2021. And it placed a, a hold or um, an inability uh, from a decision-making point of view on the part of the city not to process any new licenses when it came to metered taxis. Now, because of the fact that our legislation at the time didn't specifically accommodate for a particular permit for e-hailing operators, in other words, um, using technology on application like Uber or Bolt, for example, um, we in Cape Town, the position was to take the infrastructure from a permit point of view and to endorse it for use by e-hailing operators. So to use an existing license, we just endorse it for use specifically okay. to e-hailing. So the moratorium was, um, was, was then introduced, and this had far-reaching implications for a number of operators in, in the city specifically, um, meaning that if you were operating a Uber or a Bolt vehicle um, or any e-hailing, if you used BB, for example, another one of those platforms, then you would essentially not be able to obtain a permit for your vehicle to lawfully do so. Mm. And this led to a, a massive surge in the impounding of vehicles who were not adequately licensed, but a bit of a chicken and an egg debate, really. We are unable to comply because we are unable to make applications for these permits or licenses, and we are getting fines because we're doing this. So it had huge implications from a financial and operations point of view for each of these drivers. And as we know, Cape Town is a tourist destination where Uber and the like are a, a very important part of the ecosystem, particularly for our tourists, not in confinement, yeah. but particularly for our tourists. So this is really the problem we were facing. And as you say, yes, the city made the decision to lift the moratorium a few days before our court case actually concluded. Yeah. And, and our position was that doing that didn't actually solve our problem for two reasons. Firstly, the, the city has placed restrictions on the number of applications it will process. Okay. And if you do the math, on, on what we anticipate would have already been submitted during the moratorium, we would be left with very little um, surplus for new entrants to make applications. So that's the one point. From a mathematical point of view, we don't 
believe that it would have resolved the problem we were facing um, anyway. Mm-hmm. And secondly, from a legal point of view, if it follows that the moratorium was illegally imposed, which is our position, and the court ruled as such, yeah. um, something that was unlawfully imposed in the first instance is not, we cannot lift it. The constitutional court ruled very definitively on that. Um, it's, it's firmly part of our law. So we, we need to look at this, the patience these decisions would have had. Mm-hmm. And then you follow up decisions that, that follow from this unlawfully imposed moratorium, in our view, may prove very pro- problematic for the city. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Yes. Um, so, so again, from a legal point of view, the Constitutional Court has again been extremely clear on this point, that any unlawful administrative action under the Promotion of Access to Administrative Justice Act, or PADJA for short, mm-hmm. um, if, if the original decision was declared unlawful and void or invalid, and any decisions, for example, the lifting, the purported lifting of our moratorium with a restriction on the number of applications we will be processing now, if those are intrinsically linked to one another, that may be problematic for the city to actually enforce. The court's directive is clear. The city, um, the, the moratorium is unlawful and invalid, needs to be lifted. It was on the 28th of February by way of court order. And further to that, the city was ordered to start processing applications without delu- uh, without delay to do so diligently. Okay, so that's a really interesting legal perspective. So you're saying you can't say, okay, we'll lift it with the restriction on the number in place because the court has said that its, its very existence was was unlawful and unconstitutional, Nicolene. So, so are you suggesting that the way forward would be that they must open up um, with, with no restrictions? That is exactly the position that we are taking. And where are we at in terms of looking at demand in the market versus current supply versus anticipated supply? Has anybody done a a, a neutral survey on on how many Ubers and Bolts and other e-hailing services are needed in Cape Town? Um, I mean, are those where is the city coming by those figures um, that that made them want to cap at that level? This is a very interesting question. One of the justifications to our understanding of the matter from the city's perspective was that they envisioned to, to do a study on, on the need or, or market saturation put differently. Yeah. And that was the reason for placing or, or instituting a moratorium. But the law is very clear. And, and the, law, the law provides that only once you've done your study and you've established that only X amount of supply and demand can be satisfied using this process, only then can we place a moratorium if we feel we've reached our threshold. Not the other way around, Mm. which is essentially in very oversimplified terms what has in fact happened here. So the the city has conducted from, to, to our understanding of their position, from the imposition of the moratorium, a range of studies of their own, and that's how they have come to to the figures that that we saw in the press. And um, to to answer the question as to whether an independent study was conducted, 
a number of years ago, and this was actually part of the extensive court papers that we had filed, um, the Competition Commission actually conducted a somewhat impartial study in relation to seeing um, what the market was going to look like with the introduction of e-hailing operators. Yeah. Back then, when it was conducted, I mean, e-hailing was a fairly new concept, um, and, and we had to assess in our current trans- road transportation system, how would they fit in? And this was specifically from a national point of view, not a not specifically a, a provincial point of view. So there has been attempt at studies, but not recently. So I, I think that, that we would need to, to spend a little bit more time on this and definitely to look at this from, from a completely impartial point of view. Mm. We're talking to Nicolene Skuman-Law, whose law firm, uh, Skuman-Law Incorporated, represented uh, Andiyama Car Service, who were the, the particular client at the heart of this recent court case. As a matter of interest, Nicolene, I mean, they bought this case not just for the sake of their own permit, wanting it to be, uh, to be uh, looked at, but also on behalf of the industry. Are there any direct implications for them? Did the court say anything about their particular application needing to be first in line or anything like that? Or have they simply won the victory on behalf of everybody who is wanting to get get into this industry lawfully? Um, well, the, the court the court ruled in, in favour of the industry as a whole. Yeah. Um, the and, and I think we must understand that although um, our client and the Armour Car Service was brave enough to take this to the courts um, to adjudicate as it rightfully should have been done, um, a number of, of operators have been impacted by this. Mm. Um, on the Amo, in the biggest scheme of, of things, it uh, um, ended up with a relatively small collection or fleet of, of motor vehicles, um, which it owns, whilst many of the others own substantially more. So, so I think at, at the level of, of computing the amount of money we were talking about in relation to the impounds, the actual fines for releasing your vehicle, um, particularly during peak times where we have seen a, an increase in, in those activities for a number of years. If we start drilling down the numbers and, of course, the amount of days that these vehicles are out of circulation, which means the driver doesn't earn any yep. money, it's a, it's a very, very much a public interest question. It's, it's a question of, our ability to make a living when there is an opportunity to do so. So the court didn't um, give Andiamo any preferential treatment. Okay. It was also not part of our strategy to do so. We believe that it's, it's something that impacts um, in, in a much broader sense and for that reason, absolute public interest. Yeah. So one last question then, Nicolina. Listener Dani and Stellenbosch asking, why do we even have permits at all? Why not let market supply and demand sort it out naturally? Is it just another level of unnecessary red tape? Is there a reason why permits are required? Well, if you look at our legislation, the, um, the, the, the Land Transportation Act, um, it's, it's an act that has been around for more than a decade. Uh, it regulates how we coordinate our road transportation services. And it's had to evolve over a number of changed circumstances, looking at our infrastructure, some of the infrastructure that that we do not have access to anymore. If we look at metro rail, for example, train services not being available in in all areas in South Africa, 
it's had to evolve a number of times. And we've become very reliant as South Africans, particularly on the taxi industry. And I mean this as a, as a, as a very broad statement. Mm. And the need for regulating it is a legislative imperative imposed from a national level on each municipality to make regulations that are fair and just and equitable in order to regulate all of this. But of course, the Competition Commission and other arms should work in conjunction with this to regulate supply and demand a little bit better. And of course, we know that the legislative process is sometimes very slow to develop, particularly when it comes to the comparison to technology and technological advancement that happens at the speed of light, I almost want to say. Um, so, So we are behind with that. But for now, it's part of our system. It's part of our legal system. And, of course, I think we should be open to better ways of doing things, but that's what we have at the moment. And hopefully we'll see something and just an equitable administrative action following this um, absolutely key judgment for anyone who's in the e-hailing industry in Cape Town. Thank you so much, Nicolene Skumon-Lowe, uh, Managing Director of Skumon Law Incorporated, who were uh, the attorneys assisting Andioma Car Service in bringing that application, that court ruling coming through in the Western Cape High Court last Tuesday, the 28th of February.